What is up, my beautiful, sexy human beings? Thank you so much for joining me on my first episode of Why Second Dating. This episode is pretty near and dear to my heart because I got to bring on one of my best friends, Mr. Drake Woodland. And we really dig in. We take it aback. We take it aback. We take it back about 10 years and we don't hold back. You get to hear about our lives back then, who we were, what we were up to, and you know how we coped with our trauma and pain and all of it. Hence the name Sex, Drugs, and Mental Health. Because we're pretty open about our past, I just want to make sure that everyone feels safe and some of the stuff we talk about could be triggering. So if you feel vulnerable at this time with some of those topics, it might be safer to skip this conversation. Honestly, when I was editing the podcast, it was pretty triggering for myself because I recently took 10 months off drinking and I wasn't really sure at the time if I was going to bring alcohol back into my life, but it was super valuable for me to be able to reflect on how I used sex and drugs to fill the void of, you know, my pain and my trauma. And it also opened my eyes up to some of the times where I acted out of integrity and in ways that I'm not proud of. So it's given me more motivation than ever to figure out how I can continue to do better for myself, for my future lovers, for my friends, my community, and this world. (laughs) As cheesy as it sounds, you know, that's what it's all about. So being able to look back without shame, with compassion, and then just have that willingness to grow. So yeah, this conversation was just super beautiful. We have some fun. I really hope you enjoy it. I hope it resonates with you. And thank you so much for listening. One thing I'll add before I jump in is I want to emphasize the importance of practicing safe sex and getting regularly checked. If you live in BC, I'm going to throw the links on how to access that here. But I just want to normalize being on top of the practice of getting checked and normalize the conversations about it because it's just so important for us to all be safe while we're having fun. Okay, thanks again and I hope you enjoy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me. Uh, on today's podcast, my best friend Drake has decided to join me. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's an honor to be here. Is it really? It's an honor. It's our best friend. It's my best friend. I mean, if we, uh, I guess like just a little history, we've known each other for 20 I want to say 2013. We met? Yeah. How did we meet, Drake? Tell me how we met. So we met through, sort of through Layla, actually, because Layla was, had like recently hooked up with... Whoa. (laughs) um, Yeah. With... um, Mouth it to me. Oh, right. (laughs) With with that man. Right. And uh, I was friends with him at the time, and then... You guys both went over at his place, and I came over to visit and hang out. Um, I remember that's when I showed up. He had no toilet paper, so I like, took a bus over with like a case of beer and toilet paper. And... But that's not the first time we met. That was, though. No, no. It was the phone call. Do you not remember the phone call? Well, okay, but that was the first time we met in person. That's what I mean. We have to talk about the phone call. I don't remember the phone call. Okay, so. Drop my memory. I forget where I was, but and I don't even remember why. So I must have been with... And I remember. He must not be named. (laughs) (laughs) Redacted. (laughs) Yeah, I remember for some reason there was this need to call you. Yeah. And I forget why. Maybe it was like, you're going to love him, blah, blah, blah. And I. Did you call me? I called you, I'm pretty sure. And then we just talked on the phone. Like, I was drunk, and I'm pretty sure you were drunk. It was like an. I was at. I was always drunk. I was at Mel Smee's. Yeah. Redacted. (laughs) No, no. Awesome person. Whatever. Um, But I was at Mel Smee's place and um, 
yeah, I remember calling you and we talked for like ever. And then I, you were supposed to, I think I invited you over, but you didn't come. Mm-hmm. Classic. And <laughs> yeah, that's funny. We're going to talk about that later on. Um, but yeah, and then that was how we became, in quotation marks, acquainted. And then. Right. And then we met when I came over in person. You know what's so funny? So I, we don't, had a I don't remember that. At all. When I came, well, there's a photo of you holding a vacuum with a bottle. Oh, that was our first hang? That, that was that night. That was our first time. Oh, that's a good photo. And then I think the same night I was I wore your coat, that green one. <laughs> yeah, shirt. yeah, there's a really good photo of you wearing glasses in the green coat. Yeah, I barely awesome. fit into it. Um, yeah, no, that was the first time we hung out. So that was, yeah, that was back in like 2013 at some point. So it's yeah, yeah. been, what, maybe just shy of 10 years. Yeah, just shy of 10 years. And then we worked together. And then shortly after, well, immediately after we started hanging out, you were, like, basically homeless and then, like, stayed, <laughs> stayed at my house for, like, a week, within, like, days of knowing each other. Um, you stayed with um, my place for, like, a week. And wait, then... wait. Just some insight for the listeners is that when we met, we were both huge partiers at the time. Yeah. Lots of cocaine, lots of drinking. And so people understand that's why there's a lot of memory loss around that time it's for me especially it's foggy to say the least i mean when you bring up me living at your house like i don't i remember like maybe two memories from that and one is like being in my tights laying in bed with you going to bed yeah um and one thing i should say about this friendship which is really fucking cool we've talked about before but like from the beginning we have always respected each other yeah from the beginning we established Okay, like, are we attracted to each other? Should, like, where is this going to go? But we just, I think we, like, we, no, I know we tried to, we made out. We were like. I think there, like, there was an attraction. There was always attraction. Initially, but, like, you know, as we both found out, like, quickly, we're both being at the same, like, when we met, we both had just come out of a relationship. Right, there it is. And so we both were, like, kind of, like, wanting to have fun. Mm -hmm. And, like, so our friendship you know, started, like, it started as, like, a genuine friendship, and then, yeah, like, there was a few times we made it or whatever, but, like, I think that it just, I feel really lucky that we were able to kind of, like, move past that, um, like, those feelings that maybe we wouldn't have been able to control so well with other people, but, like, because we had just a genuine friendship that was able to build really quick, I think we were able to, like, look at you know, the outcome of, like, okay, if we pursued this, like, attraction and just, like, you know, went with our, like, drunken habits at the time, that, you know, that would, you know, we were able to see that that would go in one direction and probably just end in, like, you know, maybe we hooked up and then moved on our way because whatever. But we I think we were able to see the value of a real friendship, mm-hmm. and that was able to kind of, like, you know, over overcome that other, like, you know, kind of carnal desires I think or whatever. I think what's really cool about that too is in that time we were both so young and we both had our kind of avoidant and anxious and whatever attachment styles and, and habits that we had because, you know, we've been hurt and we've been in relationships and we've also hurt people or whatever. But that was like one of the first times that I can remember that I was very transparent with someone. Like you and I, when yeah. I remember making out, we were like, no, you know what? I think we should really just like. I'm sure the, it wasn't like this because we were drunk, but we we were able to just be so real with each other. We're like, we love our connection. We we love our friendship. And meeting you, it was like instant. Like that mm. phone call to the first meet to like, we were like inseparable after it was that. Just, we were literally yeah, like instant best friends. It was, it was one of those one of those situations where like I'm sure everyone has experienced this to a degree, or at least I hope people have. Is like you meet someone and. You just have that, like, you know, immediate connection of friendship. And, yeah. like, and I think, like, even in those moments, like, because we knew our friendship was, maybe we didn't know at the time, but because our friendship was so solid, mm-hmm. that, like, when we would make up, and it was always when we were drunk, right? So it's, like, that's, you know, inhibitions are lowered or whatever, but, like, we, we didn't even, like, necessarily, like, talk about it. It's, like, it happened, and then we just stopped. Mm-hmm. And then we just, like, continued playing pool. And then it didn't, like, it didn't matter. We didn't, like, it was nothing was ruminated on. Mm-hmm. I didn't, like, go home, like, thinking about, like, what does that kiss me? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? It was just, yeah. like, it just happened. It's just, yeah. like, it, it felt more like how, you know, like, sometimes girls get drunk and they just, like, make out with their friends or whatever. How people just, like, have innocent makeouts. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, like, when I look back, that's more what it felt like. And I think that the only thing that confused it is just the place that we were at. But, like... It, it wasn't something that happened that I was like, regardless of like whether there was an attraction there or not, 
or whatever like as time went on it just it didn't feel like anything more than just I'm just kissing like my friend you know what I mean and that's why I yeah. think it was so easy to move past and why it wasn't a big deal to this day like I look back on it and I don't remember I remember it happening but I don't remember having any like particular feeling about it yeah I remember the chat and one thing I also do like absolutely adore about you and this is something that's really huge I think um that you rarely see is like you know you've seen me so fucked up like when I lived at your house and stuff like that like the one memory I have is like being so fucking wasted and you saving me from that party when I was seeing that girl and you like picked me up and I like you know, you can tell. The I literally version. carried you for like two blocks. And I was wearing this plaid skirt with these like tights that were probably starting to rip, and this probably. like <laughs> tight little whatever top. And I was just like, I mean, your memory of it is obviously better than mine. But yeah, I was not me. as fucked up as you were when I got there. But and I guess like what I want to say is that like we've always been really respectful of each other, even when we've just like been in the same bed and been so fucked up, we still didn't hook up. Yeah. And I, I don't, I think like it was one of those things that maybe subconsciously, I just know that meeting you was something that had always felt different. It didn't like, I think I just always knew cause we were just so instantly friends. And mm. then the best part is like, well, so I just stay on that topic cause I'm starting to get a little off topic, but so yeah, meeting you, I knew we had such an instant connection, but it, it in my mind, it wasn't like, I was like, I need to like wife this guy up, but it was more so like, holy shit. Like, it because it was such there was so much chemistry on so many levels that like mm-hmm. there was just this level of trust and safety it was an important and like easy relationship and mm-hmm. it, the relationship happened to be a, a wonderful and continues to be a great friendship but like 10 years later yeah but like but but that's but that's what makes me so happy that like you know we were able to like just have that little bit of self-control in that time where we had none. I know. And I, and I'm so, I know. I'm we were so, so thankful for up. that. Me too. You know, and like to add to that too, like, you know, I mean, like I'm a very respectful person. I am huge on consent. I would never take advantage of anyone. Like that's that's just like what I've always been about. Mm-hmm. And it's like one of my first memories of I think the first night you stayed at my house, like I, I this image will always be burned into my head, but yeah. like <laughs> you it. were so drunk and you got into my bed and like you were trying to take your skirt or pants or something off or tights or whatever. And like you just like rolled onto your back and like ended up pulling off your underwear as well and like rolled in front of me. And like I'm like already like almost like falling asleep. And then I just like turn over and then it's just like your vagina is like five inches from my face. And I was like, Alex, your vagina's out. And you're like, what? Oh. <laughs> And then pull your pants on. But it's like, but I mean, like, that's just, you know, that's something I look back on and I didn't realize, like, to me, that seems like nothing. But, like, Mm. kind of like, you know, we've had conversations about it in the past, and it's just like, you've, knowing that, like, has always made you feel safe with me. And, like, that's what I want. Like, you know, and that, that can be a trouble, that can be the trouble with a lot of, like, you know, male and female relationships, like, friendships, is like, there's always, you know, a lot of times the intentions can be, um, you know, have, like, ulterior motives or whatever. Like, the intentions can be unclear. You feel like, oh, is this guy just, like, trying to play the long con of whatever? Mm-hmm. And, like, that's never been my thing with you or whatever. And, like, I think that, like, I'm proud to say that, like, I hope that through our friendship it's, like, shown you that, you know, those things can exist, you know. But at the same rate, too, it's, like, I know that a lot of... A lot of times it cannot go that way. So, totally. but I, I, but I'm I'm happy that I was able able to at least be like you know a positive kind of like uh, I don't know what the word I'm trying to find like a positive example I guess of oh yeah are you kidding I mean and that's whatever. the thing is I've I've never known a safe man like my whole kind of <clears throat> life when I started drinking and hooking up was you know of course it would lead to hooking up. Like it was, it's like when I look back, like it's a su- surprise again, you know, that when we were so fucked up that we didn't like, I'm fucking shocked. Yeah. And it's so interesting, even on the topic of th- like just being fucked up and, you know, meeting someone, say you met them sober first and mm-hmm. you click 
and maybe in your mind you're like, oh man, this actually would be a really cool friendship. But as soon as you start drinking with that person, yeah, you know, different ideas can come in. And, and then know. I can think of so many people that I really clicked with, but as soon as we drank, we hooked up, and it fucked everything up, and we yeah. did not, we're not able to pursue that friendship. Yeah, like, and it ruined it. And yeah, what is that thing? Like, why, why is it that after a hookup, people have this feeling? I mean. I can think of things, but what do you think is the reason why people get so weird after hooking up? Even though that, like, they know they'd be like, totally. "Holy fuck, we could be best friends." So I think, like, in my experience, and and again, like, this is this is why I was so happy that we were able to just like you know exhibit just like that bare minimum self control or whatever, like enough to not because on top of the makeup, there was one time we did. Almost, we were in bed and making out, and it was starting to to go more that way. And we were able to like be like, "Hey, I think, I think I was actually the one to be like, hey, Alice, I really don't think we should do this.'" And then you were like, "I don't think we should either." And I've wondered, and just a question to ask you, and you know, you can answer that after I finish this question. But I wonder if like because of like your nature of getting drunk with friends and stuff that like and also I wonder from like the point of view of a woman like being drunk with a man in bed where something started like if you change your mind maybe it feels not safe to not change your mind or whatever and and I I know for me like it's a lot it was I'm sure it was a lot easier for me like I didn't really think about oh if I said no you're gonna just keep going Mm -hmm. you know like I'm way bigger than you I could could, you know easily push you off (laughs) but like like, you know I was able to just be like hey I actually just like I'm not really like feeling this like because I want to like you know so I, I wonder if like maybe you know that's part of the reason why things progress or whatever and then but like I don't know, I feel like I'm getting a little bit off topic, but, like, I think that in that moment, I'm really, like, to this day, like, kind of touching on what I was saying before, like, I'm super happy that I was able to just kind of recognize in that moment and just have that kind of, like, thought process of, like, hey, if this goes through, I worry that, like, I might, you know, however you might interpret it the next day, that I might not be able to pursue our friendship as a friendship and feel the need to like because we've been intimate like had had sex or like if we did that I would feel like that would be kind of set the tone for the future of our friendship mm-hmm. like I was like oh would we have to like now become friends with benefits or whatever you know and I, and I didn't want that to be a part of our friendship because you know we had at that point like you know the few times where different makeups have happened they were stretched out over the course of a few months and I think that over those course of a few months, our friendship grew stronger and stronger all the time. And we were able to get to know each other a lot better. And I was like, I don't want to lose this person as a friend. And I've, I've also been, like, someone who's had a lot of, like, you know, like, female friends throughout my life. Or just friends with people of, like, all different, you know, walks of life. And, like, so it's... I, I, I knew that it was possible for, like, guys and girls to be friends. It you totally know? That, is. that whole, like, idea that like, guys and girls can't... Be, it, it's not. Like, not That's everyone's bullshit. a fucking horn dog. And it's also, like, you know, if you have respect for people, like you can actually be friends with people. It's just mm-hmm. boils down to that, respecting their space and or whatever. Yeah, and so I think, like, you know, I knew for me that that was, that was the case, and, you know, I, I never really asked if, like, maybe if you remember or not, but if for you maybe that happened because we just kind of... I think when we did it, it felt like that's just what we felt like we were supposed to do. I mean, that's what I feel like. Yeah, I mean, that's the, first of all, it's such a good question because I brought that up in a previous podcast about how, and I think that's probably, I couldn't figure out how to describe it, but there is this point I've felt a lot um, that it, I was doing it because I was supposed to be doing it, but not through a conscious level, like not through an intentional level, yeah. but it was so, because I was, you know, when you're drunk, you, your inhibitions are completely down. So how conscious are you? Right. It was more kind of just like force of habit in a way. And another thing is my relationship with sex and alcohol is so fucked up because I, when I started drinking is when I started, I lost my virginity and the way I lost my virginity was really fucked up. I was blackout, passed out and woke up with someone inside me. Yeah. Sorry. Like, that's a little why fucking... You, tri- I mean, for the listeners... Well, it's like, for listeners, you know, that's triggering. Yeah, and no, I, I'm not, like, you know, I'm, I can, like... People talk about their first times with their boyfriends and girlfriends and partners and whatever, but, like, my first time, 
really set the tone for my relationship with mm-hmm. alcohol. Like, you know, there was no consent. I was passed out. I was, you know, entered and not knowing and woke up. And, um, and uh, again, like, I, I think that that really set the foundation for the fact that so I don't know if it's the chicken or the egg, but like right. when I have when I'm drunk, I want to have sex, and when I want to have sex, I'm usually drunk, and and it was just this thing that was always so associated that you know it started at 16, and it continued until I finally got my shit together. I'm like 27, yeah. Um, so that's like 10 years, you know, 17 to 27. That's 10 years of it, just fully conditioning sex one and month, alcohol one month together. The other, yeah. Yeah. So it's like. I can tell you right now, like when I was younger, and even now I still feel it. Like when I get drunk, I'm like, mm, I want to go hook up. Like, yeah. and like all because because there, and it might not even be, it might not even be that you want to hook up, but because because being exactly drunk means, I don't. So here's the thing to touch that and just to sidebar, and we can come back to it later. But that's that same thing that you're saying, like alcohol and sex became. If you're if you're getting drunk, you're gonna have sex. Mm-hmm. That's oh. that was the thing. So always, that, always. That for me became my relationship with doing cocaine for a long time. I started drinking, you know, whatever for a long time, and then once I started doing cocaine, it became you know more and more frequently. And I only ever did it when I drank. And then it got to the point where it's like, if I'm drinking, I'm doing cocaine. You know, oh so, my god, yes. So and, I can totally, and then that's the same. So thing. I can relate to that. It's like as soon as I have like a drink, cigarettes. Yeah, as soon as you have a drink and the thought in your head is like, okay, how am I going to have sex tonight? Mm-hmm. For me, it's like, okay, when at what point am I going to call and get some cocaine? You know, so yeah. I, I can relate to that. And I, I that's it, I don't know what, what the science is behind that, but I mean, like I do. So I let's think, hear it. I mean, I think psychologically, I mean, just from being a huge nerd about it, is yeah. that like I mean, deep down, my drinking and sex started because. You know, there was a lack of love in my childhood, and especially from a male figure, I didn't have that. I came from a very chaotic house. So, so it's uh, it's like a a validation thing. Con- yeah, but so you're saying it's kind of like a almost in a way like a tr- like a trauma response, I guess. One thousand percent trauma yeah. response, a trigger, um, a validation would be like you know I found <clears throat> validation. It's like you know when I was drunk, I was the most confident, and right. when I'm confident, then. The only other route there is like, okay, well, how do I know that I am worthy of love? Right. Well, it's when I get fucked. And the funny thing is, right. oh my God, I can tell you, I would go out and like, no, like I would know I would be able to like, I mean, obviously I'm a girl, but I remember there was times where I was like, you know what, tonight I just don't want to like hook up with anyone. And I, and back in the day, you know, when I was younger, I would always shape my vagina because they're just like, that's what everyone liked. And so like, right. my vagina is not mine. That's for everybody else. So like, I would, yeah. I would be like, I remember sometimes I'd go out and be like, oh, I don't feel like shaving tonight. Right. It doesn't matter. I'm not going to have sex. I still had sex those nights. Yeah. Like I would literally say like, I'm not going to hook up with anyone tonight, but no matter what, like there was, and it's to the point where like, for some reason, the first thing that came up to me is like, you know, I drank to oblivion too. So yeah. I'd be blackout often. And I remember this one time where I was like, I don't know to this day if I made out with a homeless person or a hipster. Right. You know, okay. I remember there was this one time where I was, I was told that like I was at a bus stop and just like started making out with some dude and like oh god, there's this awful story when I was a teenager that I just shouldn't even say out loud. But like I put myself. You can in, always cut it. <laughs> I mean, like I just put myself in so many dangerous situations because of that like really like deep, deep core need to be loved and finding it in all the wrong ways. Right. Um, and so, yeah, like. And that's this thing that's most fucked up now is like after going sober and then really learning more about myself over the past, you know, six years and doing that work. Yeah. Is seeing that like, wow, my relationship with sex is so fucked up that I'm actually that like I'm so inexperienced with sex. Yeah. But let's go back to like, let's just go back to that time because, you know, you and I like were in this world where everybody was also so fucked up. Like mm-hmm. Coke was so prevalent. Drinking and Coke well, was hand in hand. Especially hooking up. Yeah. Especially in like, and I think this probably rings true to like any city, but in Vancouver, especially like cocaine's huge. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, working in the restaurant industry, mm-hmm. you know, that's also like, that's also huge. And then sleeping with your coworkers. Oh my God. It's huge in the, in the industry. So it's like, you know, huge. And, and that's, and then for the listeners too, like after you and I met, like shortly after you had gotten me a job 
at the restaurant that you were working at at the time. And that's where our relationship grew. That's where we finally went from just drinking to like sober well, hanging. Yeah, because all the time. because then yeah, exactly because then our friendship wasn't just when we'd meet up and we were either already drunk or we're starting to get drunk. Mm-hmm. We were able to actually hang out at work <laughs> and be sober for most of the day. I can't <laughs> hug you right now. I have shit hands. Okay, side note, funny story. One time I came in wasted to the restaurant and I was like, it's your day off, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, where's Drake? I come in, I'm like, I don't know, whatever, I was drunk. Yeah. And Drake is in the washroom cleaning. Just cleaning, wait, I was just cleaning, cleaning the, the toilets, yeah. And I was like, Drake, I want to fucking hug Drake. Yeah. <laughs> and he just comes out and he's like, I can't hug you right now. I have shit hands. Yeah, I'm like holding my hands up in the air. Yeah, the you're gloves. Like, the toilet was, I remember the toilet was so nasty and like I literally had to wear gloves and like I think I had to like, if I'm not mistaken, I think I had to like basically unclog the toilet by like pulling out toilet paper of it. It was or like What's whatever. wrong with people? Honestly. So many things. Um, also new to box monsters. Yeah. <laughs> Spicy peanut for life. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's, but yeah, that I think that like working there was really, really great. And what really kind of like took our friendship to, to that like next level and really solidified it was because, you know, you're right. We were, that was, we were able to actually hang out and like forced to be sober. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, <laughs> So I would say sober-ish. Sober-ish, yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least for the morning shifts. <laughs> but you know what? We actually have another way we've connected, not just from that. And How's that? Is when we first met, we both realized that we had a very, very similar upbringing. Right, and yeah. And that was, that was why at first Family we were like, stuff, yeah. boom. And we're both fucking... We have, we're both depressed. Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't know at the time that you were bipolar. So we I just didn't, no. no. So we were both Or had depressed. ADHD. No. Yeah. And so that was something that I know we connected. We had our darkness. And that I always get drawn to people with darkness. I call it darkness. But, like, we had depression. We have, you know. And that was something that I found. Had, have. (laughs) Am experiencing. (laughs) Living. (laughs) Living it up. Living in the darkness. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that's that's something to really point out. That we, honestly, is probably one of the bigger connectors between you and I is, like, our, like that depression, the way we were raised. Our yeah, trauma. we were able to to bond over like you know fam- family trauma. Like again, everyone's family trauma trauma is different, but we had very similar experiences in ways that were very significant. And as different as they were, it's ways that like we hurt in very similar ways. Mm-hmm. So we coped in very similar, similar ways. Yeah. And for you, it was. Drinking and sex. And cocaine. And, and cocaine. Let's not forget about my best friend, cocaine. Yes. For me, but it was like drinking sex forward, cocaine on the side. For me, it was drinking cocaine forward, sex on the side. But like, you know, it was similar, but a little bit different. You know, and I think that, that rings true also to our trauma and stuff too. And like, you know, childhood experience or whatever. Um, and I, and I feel like that's something that, like, a lot of people who experience, like, traumatic things in life, like, it's very easy to, you know, trauma bond with people. And, like, people who experience similar things, like, you know, I grew up very, like, poor and impoverished, um, you know, growing up with my mom, like, who had primary custody of us. So it's, like, I can relate to people, other people who grew up very poor as well. And even though, like, you know, my dad had us you know, like, a little bit of the time, and, like, his side was more, like, kind of middle class or whatever, and, you know, whatever, but it's, like, I, the, the majority of my life was lived as, as a poor person, and I continue to, that, you know, um, I continue that pattern of living as a poor person, I don't benefit from the other side, really, in any significant way, like, I'm, whatever so it's like those are also things that like i've bonded with people over the years but i mm-hmm. but back to what we were saying like i think that you know that was a huge thing that that we were able to talk about more in depth while sober because i think people like skirt over things when they're drunk and you can get some heart to heart but we were we talked about it a lot more i think like at work and stuff and downtime mm-hmm. um I mean, I felt heard with you. Yeah, and I think, like, I I appreciate our time working together because we were able to understand that, like, you know, you make friends and stuff with people and you spend a lot of time drinking with them and or doing drugs with them and they become your drug friends and they become your drinking friends. But, like, we were able to realize that, like, oh, we our friendship sober actually still is good and fun. Mm -hmm. So 
from then on, we had lots of times where we would hang out sober. Yeah, you know, a lot. <laughs> you know, and just like you just come over, I'd go to hang out with you, go to a park, whatever, get mm-hmm. food, whatever. Like, you know, because like there's lots of times we've all had those like drinking friends and then we go get brunch with them the next day and they fucking suck. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you just, you're like, what the hell? Like, who is this person? You know what I mean? Like, it's making me sweat. <laughs> no, totally. I can, yeah. And, man, like, I think, too, just... Let's have a shot to that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> to trauma bonding. To, to trauma bonding. But, you know what? Hold on. I think the interesting thing about trauma bonding is it has such a... Such a neg- like, negative... Like, trauma bonding almost always ends badly. And for the first, like, for us, it didn't. Um, I think also... Because we also had so many, also, also, and also. And also. We had so much in common. Like, it wasn't just trauma bonding over that. It was like, okay, we were both nerds, and we started playing D&D together. We were, like, huge movie nerds. Mm. We started watching Game of Thrones together. We also had the same sense of humor. Started doing music together. Oh, my God, music. And, like, I just, yeah, there's, I I, I just, I think we're, like, such a success story in a way. I think so. I think, like, and, and... I know, like, growing up, like, I was always... I've had so many friends that have come and gone over the years. And, like, friends that I've been so close with. Like, <clears throat> you know, we, I think a lot of people can relate. Like, there's, like, <clears throat> like two or three years of your life. You've got someone in your life that's, like, super close to you. And then it just, like, kind of fades. And, like, I think with, with you and, you know, one other friend of mine, like, we've been friends for so long. And, my, like, Alex, who we played D&D with himself and everything. Um... I've known both of you guys. Like, I met him shortly after I started working at Noodlebox, so, like, almost as long as I've known you. Um, But, like, you know, we were super close, and and our relationship's, like, you know, close in in a different way or whatever. But, like, you know, you guys are my only two friends that throughout the years, whether, like, you've moved away, I've moved away, Mm -hmm. he's moved away. Like, we've all lived in different parts of Canada, different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. And like, but our friendship has remained the same. And it's like, you know, when we're farther apart, our communication is less. But sure. it never But when we see each difference. other again, it doesn't matter. It's so instant, yeah. Because it's like, we had such a solid foundation. It's like, I just know when you're not here, mm. you're just doing your thing somewhere else. And I'm like... Just wishing that you're having a good time. Are you, like, wishing that every morning when you wake up? Every like, morning I actually look at my altar of your face <laughs> and say, should have fucked that girl. Is it, wish she's having a good day. It's a picture of me with the vacuum with the balaclava. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, but, like, you know, it's just, like, you know, I, I just... People come and go in your life and... Bitches that come and go. When, <laughs> when I... When... We're apart. I don't feel like you've gone. I think they I feel want to like, see die inside, but I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> no, but like when you know when we're not living in the same city or like you know in in close enough that we could like meet up and hang out in person, it doesn't feel like you've gone out of my life. It I just know. feels like you're just doing something else. You're just not here right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you're one of my oldest best friends, like literally, and. I'm one of those people that, like, I'm super proud to just, like, throw that term and I mean it. Like, we mm-hmm. really, we did good. And, okay, so another thing we have in common we didn't talk about is we tend to, we have so much in common. We have so much not in common. But I find that a lot of our dating experiences have mirrored each other mm-hmm. in the way that we date. But then there's also such differences. Um, and I want to, I almost want to start now because we just both had a very recent similar dating experience. Right. And then maybe we can work backwards. Sure. But I'm going to pause it. Nice. I want to do these. Let's, let's wait on that. But I think it, there'll be a time where it's going to feel right. Okay. <laughs> um, so welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Um, so we ended on how we have had this very interesting mirrored dirty. Oh, did you hear that? Mirror dirty. <laughs> We've had this very similar mirror dirty. We've had this very sure, very mirrored dating experience, which yeah. I always find super interesting. And I always find, like, okay, think about the fact that when we met, we both got our relationships. Right. And then since then, every time you and I kind of reconnect, when we've been apart, because when we've been together, we've always just been together. But when we've been apart, we come together and we're like, what have you been up to? We catch up. And it's like, we mm. talk about our dating and it's like, wow, we've 
literally been doing the same thing. Right. Yeah, to an extent, for sure. Um, so I do want to I want to start from the present and backwards and talk about your most recent one because I know that it was such it was an explosive it was a time. Lot. It was a lot in a short period of time. So do you want to want to walk me through it? Yeah. So <clears throat> just a touch even back on what you're saying too. I think that like we a lot of times like the experiences we share are very similar, but like the main difference is I've noticed in like call between me out. us. No, 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 it's not a call out. It's um, while the experiences may be similar for you, they're like a longer thing. For me, it's a shorter thing, but they're the same thing. I have and, had a and lot it's of long nature. Terms. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's a lot of shorter term. Um, so. What do you want to know? Let's start from the beginning. What happened? Let's With my see. most recent? Yeah, this one is, is a huge one because it, it literally mirrors mine so much. Yeah, so so for me, my most recent one is like I, you know, I hadn't really, you know, I've been kind of like out of dating for a while. Like my last serious relationship was, you know, like two years and we lived together and whatever, et cetera. And that ended and then... Bless your sweetheart. Bless your sweetheart. Wish her the best. Um... You know, it's a whole nother story. But um, f- from from that, like when that ended, um, just the nature of all of that, like, you know, it left me in a, in a big period of like self-reflection, um, reevaluating and having to like reestablish self-worth and, um, you know, just kind of realizing like what I deserve, what I want, um, what I need. All of these things, and so during that time, you know, and also trying to recover from you know the negative aspects of whatever. Um, so during that time, like you know, I saw someone for a little bit, saw a couple people, whatever, all short term things. I think that felt serious, and then um, my most recent relationship. How'd you meet her? So I, I met her by joining Hinge, and I you know had been successful through like using tinder in the past like most of like my girlfriends that i've met in the past i've met through tinder same and that was i think back you know in the earlier days of tinder it was a lot easier to do that but now i think tinder has become very much more of more hookup culture etc whatever so i you know when i was ready to kind of get back out there i went back on tinder and stuff and you know, I just wasn't finding finding that I was getting any matches, and you know, that could have been for whatever reason. I think that a lot a lot of the reason why I wasn't getting matches now is just, I think just the way that that Tinder works. The model is very much kind of like pay to match. Mm-hmm. Um, like I noticed a couple times there was a couple times where I got like the Tinder gold, and then I was getting a lot more matches. And I don't know if it's um, specifically from like the male end of things male like male for female or whatever that that uh m for f, m for f <laughs> that like you know just we weren't you know men just maybe aren't much as much on the forefront or whatever anyway it just i found tinder wasn't wasn't working and i just i didn't want to pay for for an app so i decided to join hinge and right away and even to the like to this day like you know now that my last relationship ended you know, being back on Hinge, like, it's just, it's way more um, fruitful in the term, like, in the way of matches. Like, it feels like how Tinder felt for me in the, in the earlier days of Tinder. Right. Um, so, anyway, so I, I met my most recent girlfriend. Let's call her, let's call her. Let's call her Banana. Okay. So, I met Banana on, <laughs> on Hinge, and... Um, and just to, just to jump back a little bit before that too, I just recently, like last, I want to say October, maybe or maybe September, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD, and you know that's that's been a journey for me, learning about you know just how like that's kind of impacted my whole life, and um, learning about that has has definitely influenced. How I was looking to date, and since then I've, you know, like once once I was, once I was the suspect that I had ADHD, I started going back to therapy with an ADHD, um, with an ADHD specialist therapist, and he was the one who recommended me like this uh, 
this clinic that um, did like rapid assessments because like getting tested for ADHD here in like in the Vancouver or greater Vancouver area can take like two years. So like, you know, I paid a bit of a fee, got a rapid assessment, whatever. So like learning about that and then also, you know, so learning that new thing about myself and then also knowing that like, you know, I, I found out like when I was like 23, I'm 30 now that I, when I found out when I was 23 that I also had bipolar type two. So it's like taking all this information and then now new information um, and, you know, like, this affects my life in so many different ways. Can you just quickly explain what bipolar, t- the, the bipolar type 2 is? Yeah, so bi- bipolar type 2 is, um, it, it differs from bipolar, um, I don't really call it type 1, but uh, bipolar type 2 is more, um, like, fo- like it, it's it's more... It's more like the on the depressive side of things, so I think I don't I don't know exactly like at this point it's been a while since I've looked at the criteria or whatever, but like basically to my understanding to like be classified as or diagnosed as bipolar you have to have um, a certain amount of like depressive episodes in a year, and so what those depressive episodes look like is it's like it's a heavy bout of depression that can last for two or more weeks, and for me depression when i get into into like a full-on proper like bipolar level depression and you know now knowing like adhd also adds to depression so it's like you know i don't even know how to like describe it now i'm still trying to figure it out it's whatever but like um you know my depressive episodes can last like anywhere from a couple weeks to like a few months Mm -hmm. and they can get they can they can get really severe and like and they can they can almost like go in like ups and downs while in a depressive episode, and then and then you come out of it, and then you're what what they call hypomanic instead of like like traditional mania. And hypomanic is often kind of and don't quote me on this like as factual. Quoting, <laughs> Quoting this is truth. <laughs> if you're wrong, you're a liar and you're canceled. Quoted. But um, but for me, like hypomanic, when I when I'm hypo, I love being hypomanic because for me, hypomanic basically makes me feel quote unquote normal. You know, like I feel like I can do things. I'm like motivated. And like yeah, maybe I might have like <clears throat> a lot of like <clears throat> ideas. Sorry, I can't help. It. Um, no, but, like, I feel really motivated. Like, I'll do things. I'll, like, do the stuff that I've been putting off for a long time. And, like, and I, I people don't really necessarily view me as very, like, it's not, my depression is noticeable when I'm hypomanic. I more so just kind of seem like a normal person in society, right? Right. So, so there's that. So, you know, that's also made dating really hard, mm-hmm. right? Like, and I feel and like. not knowing that. Yeah, and not right. knowing that, and also just trying to navigate that, and like being on meds and stuff, and like for a long time, like I've gotten to a point now where it's like I've learned that when I like used to drink a lot and do drugs, and like and drugs. and like you know stuff that would like alter my sleep schedule, like it made taking my medication at the right time like hard, and it's like I need to get on a routine of taking them at like the same time every day, and like so so anyway, so with that you know, that aspect of what I deal with. And then also now finding out that I have ADHD now, when I was ready to get back onto Hinge, that's something that I was like very upfront about and open with in like my dating profile. Um, I love that so About being much. like neurodivergent, like, you know, Hinge has like these prompt questions. And one of them was like, you know, tell me something you learned um, and then like that's the prompt and you can write whatever. So it said, tell me something you learned. And then I wrote like something that you learned in therapy that's helped you whatever, because that's, <clears throat> that was my way of saying that like trying to like let people know that I go to therapy and that I'm looking for people that are also, if you need therapy, which I feel like most people do that like, it's but like, like, if it's like inquisitive about understanding why the fuck you are the way you are. It's basically, basically the point of that for me was like are you doing work to better yourself? And like therapy is like important for a lot of people. So my jumping back to my most, like my recent ex, 
um, we bonded over the fact that we both had ADHD. And I remember talking to my therapist about, like, you know, I asked him one day about, in one of our sessions about, like, what does, like, or, can you, like, asking him about, like, any insight about, like, you know, what does dating look like for people with ADHD? Like, these are the things that I'm struggling with. Um, what is that? Well, for me, um, like, a lot of things that I struggle with is, like, I... Having ADHD, like, I tend to hyperfixate. So, like, I feel like that's why I've had a lot of, like, short things because I meet someone, I get really infatuated, which I now know is probably more of a hyperfixation than an infatuation. Mm -hmm. And I just, like, think about all this stuff and then I think I've had a tendency to, like, want to progress quite quickly. <clears throat> all the while still trying to respect where someone else is at. But just the way that I operate, it's like I, I also am able to kind of figure out pretty quickly if someone I'm with is someone I'm compatible with or not. Like after a few, you know, like the first date, usually I can figure out, is this someone that I can actually see myself being with? Mm -hmm. um, you know, for, and, I, and it's not like necessarily like jump to like a marriage thing, but it's like, is this someone that I can see myself, you know, putting time in to like pursue as a proper relationship? Um, and then, you know, I, I was talking in therapy about like, I don't want, I feel like I've just my whole life, I've like tried to like fight for things too, too early on. Like, you know, things that like with different people, I see them and it seems to be working out quite well, but then like something happens and it's just like, I just find myself trying to like fight for a relationship rather than just like kind of letting it not work out. Like sometimes it just doesn't work out, but it's just, it, and then it causes me so much stress and then I put so much like pressure on it. And then, like, once that, like, kind of ends, then the next thing, someone will come along and I'm still kind of, like, hung up on something else or in a weird headspace or whatever. Anyway, so it's just, like, it's, it's been difficult to navigate, but, like, with my, with my ex, like, we were, we both had ADHD and we both were, like, just had a lot of, like, kind of like you and I in a way that, like, we had a lot of things that, like, were similar experiences in our, in our lives that, like, brought us together that we were able to bond over. Mm -hmm. And then also just, like, in a, like in an intimate relationship, you know, context and also just, like, what we wanted for the future out of, like, uh, you know, a romantic partnership. Like, our all of our, like, goals and ideals lined up. And I will say this one thing. I yeah. just have to say that after everything you've said, I want to give you props on a couple of things before we move forward. Yeah. And one thing I've known about you for the past 10 years is that you have this really organic ability to understand your needs. So I understand, you know, when you say something like, okay, you know, my ADHD caused me to fight for things. Um, I, I want, you know, <laughs> the listeners to understand that it wasn't that you were fighting for things that you, you kind of had a misunderstanding and that they weren't worth fighting for. You have one of the most amazing abilities to understand your boundaries and your needs. I've known you that, like, that's something, something from day one I've known is, like, and I've, like, as soon as you know that it's not serving you and the other person, it's not a selfish thing, you're able to really remove yourself, and maybe that's a skill of ADHD because you're able to tap into different frequencies. It's like it's the like, analytical side of it. I dude, think, you so. are so fucking good at that. And also, just because you I've are... I've gotten better... Also, so with now knowing, that. I didn't have, like, the language or the understanding, and yeah. that's what I've, I've been so happy with my diagnosis, is it's it's unlocked and now kind of made clear this, this like, you know, proverbial, like, kind of image I've been looking at for a long time. Mm -hmm. It almost, like, felt like, you know, those, like, those, like, uh, like 3D images that you need to, like, look at or whatever. Yeah, like, cross your you eyes. Like, kind of cross your yeah, eyes. It felt like I've been, like, looking at this thing for a long time, knowing what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Like, someone's like, it's a dolphin. You just have to, like, cross your eyes. But, like, bullshit. now having the diagnosis, I feel like I finally learned how to cross my eyes. Okay. I can see the dolphin, and now I know, like... What does the dolphin need? And this is whatever. The I'm dolphin the, wants I'm the to dolphin. fuck. The no, dolphin wants to... <laughs> I'm the dolphin and I want to fuck. No, I think what I... And, and you know what? I, I just add to that. Like, that's the thing is like when you say you, you know, you have this commitment to work for something, I know and I think that's such a beautiful trait to have. But I love that 
You'll do it to the point, but then as soon as you know that it's not worth it, you won't let yourself go farther. Whereas like something like myself, I've always overworked myself. But, and you're so good at cutting it up. But and I wasn't wait, always. Wait, but I you wasn't know what? always. And I think that's a huge difference between why I've had longer relationships and you've had shorter ones. Is It's not a failure or what, longer or whatever. Is I just, I fight for something longer that doesn't need to be fought for. Mm. And you have this thing where it's like, okay, this needs to be done. To, to touch to that though, like I think that... The one thing that I've been lucky about is, like, my whole life, and I used to, like, I was always told this was a problem, but I've always, like, known and been a very firm believer that, like, if I don't want to do something, I'm not going to do it. It's bit me in the ass a lot of times, but but I, I will but I will say that when I look back at my life and, <clears throat> you know, talk with people... Like yourself or other other folks that like wish they could have just like decided to just not do something. The consequences of like persevering through something that is not serving you in a healthy way is a lot more damaging to like to to continue it with the hope that it'll work out because of some like societal norm or etiquette or intergenerational like conditioning absolutely whereas for me i was just like look like if i just don't do something yeah i might deal with like a more like that hard part that we're pushing off i'd rather just get it over with because then it's just done and then i move on to something else and like yeah maybe i experience a lot more hurt more often but it's a growing thing and actually that hurt that's healthy dating but but that but that hurt becomes less significant in the way like or less impactful and more like now I view like relationships and stuff when they end is like okay what can I learn from that mm. you know and like yeah that hurt and it sucked <laughs> and like <clears throat> I don't want to experience that but it's like I'd rather end it now have you say fuck you you're a piece of shit whatever because, you, don't, you wouldn't say that no but like I would rather have like the thought that that's like the worst case scenario that someone like chews me out or whatever Rather than like living unhappily, because I did that in my last long-term relationship with with, with Melon <laughs> for like for like you know I but I did that for two years and I was unhappy after seven months. I wanted to get out, but I was afraid of hurting their feelings, or whatever and whatever. And it's just looking back, I wish I just ended it then. But now, so with with um, banana, like we <laughs> banana. Do we need a banana shot? For banana. <laughs> yeah, it's time to go. So while Drake and I take shots, I'm going to take this moment to give a shout out to the Hardstring dating app. This is something I'm really stoked about because as we know, dating is fucking tough. (laughs) I've personally sworn off the old apps because I found that transparency wasn't easily available when you're just chatting with people. And from my own experience, as well as my friends, we found that people often misrepresent themselves. So Heartstring is all about changing that with their video-first dating experience. They are connecting people through intention and offering access to exclusive content as well as a network of dating coaches so we can date more mindfully. I'm super proud to be working with them because they are truly changing the way we connect. And if you want more info, you can find it all in the description or you can slide into my DMs. All right, now back to the podcast. And now with Melon and um, I'll call mine... Um, orange. Or sorry, banana and... Um, no, they're not an orange. They're more like a... I would say if they were going to be a Dragon fruit. fruit? No, not really. They, ah, um, Himika? You mean jicama? That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. There's a fruit that's going to work for this. It's not that. It, okay, what about the fruit? It's like f- a fun fruit that's like really engaging, but at the same time you like expect it to like taste so good, and then it does, but then afterwards it has like a weird aftertaste. I don't know. Bro, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. We're not. We'll call. Grapefruit. 
Yeah, perfect. Sure. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> let's go back. What I was saying about banana is, so we we met through Hinge and just clicked right away. Like conversation was super easy. Um, we met in person, and like I think both of us had this kind of like you know, looking back, we both got like hyper fixated. It was really good and really great in the beginning, and then um, you know after the first month of us like when we started seeing each other like it was really good like we said like we loved each other after the first like I think our second or third date or whatever and and it was genuine like we did because we were able to have we talked so much like through text and on the phone and stuff um and like found so much about each other that like most people I feel like don't know after like several months so like we moved really fast but and you were fucking yeah but I also think it was just like it was just kind of like efficient and we just kind of like got to the point and cut out all like the bullshit. And then I think after, you know, that first kind of month on like somewhat kind of honeymoon phase or whatever wore off, you know, she realized she wasn't in a place really to kind of have someone else in her life. Excuse me. And, um, you know, had a lot of stuff going on in with work and a lot of like <clears throat> stuff to deal with, you know, to, to kind of like process and go through. Um, like trauma or whatever, you know, pertaining to her, her ex before me. And I think she just had a lot of work to do that when things kind of like the initial like excitement kind of wore off and now we were kind of, we're just settling into a proper relationship. She realized she wasn't ready and it was hard to deal with, you know, cause I like was, you know, dealing with feelings of rejection and stuff, but I was, you know, I took some time to reflect and, you know, tried to understand where she was coming from and, and nothing she was doing was anything out of like malice. Like she tried, she tried her best mm. and she cared for me. And I know she genuinely loved me and maybe still does or whatever. It wasn't that long ago, but she just wasn't ready. And I, and I was able to kind of recognize like, Hey, like it doesn't seem like, you know, she started like canceling on me and we like, we, we were only together for like two months, but the first month it was like, we saw each other a lot, talked a lot. And then the, the, the last month, like, I didn't see her for, like, she kept canceling. Like, I hadn't seen her for almost a month. And, like, mm-hmm. we hadn't had sex. We hadn't whatever. And it's all this stuff. And it's, like, you know, sex wasn't the driving factor of the relationship. But, like, everything that makes a relationship, like, work, like, just wasn't happening anymore. So I knew that she needed, she had told me that she needed to, like, do some work and stuff. And I was, like, you know, she had been trying to go back to therapy and had a bad experience with whatever. And she's also like, unfortunately there's a lot of bad therapists out there. Um, you know, so I, my therapist like specializes in ADHD and he, like I had reached out to him, you know, after talking to her to see if she was okay with it. But I can ask if he knows anyone that might recommend, you know, mm-hmm. so I, there's the care factor. You're yeah. Doing. So I got like some resources for her and said, Hey, here's this for you do with what you want, like whatever. And then, at that same rate, I, I kind of had to just, like, I, having that time to myself, I realized that I need more than what's happening right now. I know that she can't give that to me. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to resent her for it because she's just not capable or in a place where she can she can give that. And it's not that I don't... She, I know that she wanted to be able to, but she couldn't. And I basically just, like, had to end it and say... Like, this is not working for me. I know, like, you need to be able to work through something. And I don't think that you are you can do that successfully. Um, I don't think you can do that successfully while we're in a relationship. I think you need to do that unencumbered. And right now, like, we just, I think it's best that we just separate where we're at. And, you know, maybe down the line or whatever. And just, we kind of chalked it up to, like, right person, wrong time. And that sucked. But it was we were able to recognize that. And I think, like, it was my most healthy failure of a relationship. Okay, so there was a bit of a technical fail, and I lost part of our conversation. Um, But I just want to make note that I am super proud of Drake for being so honest with himself and with Banana, because it's so much easier to ignore your needs and let that shit linger. I personally let a four-year relationship go on for way too long because I didn't have the knowledge or the tools and I hadn't done any of the work to understand what my needs were and how I needed to rewire the unhealthy relationship dynamics I learned as a kid. And essentially my trauma had conditioned me to ignore them. So I stayed out of lack of awareness and mostly guilt. 
and I've had partners stay with me for the same reasons. As we know, dating is fucking tough, so the best thing we can do is just be as transparent as possible, and I think it's so courageous of Drake to be able to understand his needs and have those honest conversations with Banana when he realized that things weren't aligned anymore. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Really, really appreciate you all for sticking around this far. Love ya. <laughs> let's just talk about, because now when I look back at Grapefruit, I'm like, oh, there were so many red flags. Right. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the red flags that you missed and what you see now in hindsight. Go. Yeah, so hugest one was the like consistent bringing up of her like most recent ex yes like the trauma that was attached to it and not that like trauma is a red flag in and of itself but the the fact that the trauma was was so apparent um that and and that she wasn't it didn't now looking back like she wasn't processing it or dealing with it in a way that was healthy um and and like and she in therapy she wasn't she had been out of therapy for a while so you were the only one actually doing any work i was yeah um and I'm, I'm not going to say that she wasn't doing any work, but she wasn't doing any work that was apparent. Um, and just because of the fact that, like, when you're doing, in my experience, when someone's doing work on something, when you bring something up and you're doing work on it, the, the, the manner in which you bring it up tends to change over time mm-hmm. because you're working through it. So your perspective your understanding and your knowledge about it grows. So your the way that you talk about it changes, um, you know, and, and, and it hadn't for her. And I found that a lot of times when <clears throat> things were hard, she would bring up, oh, this is hard because my ex used to do this, etc., whatever. And I remember at one point asking her, and, like, I was trying to not sound, like, conceited or anything, but I was like, I feel like because, like, you know, I treat you so well, and our relationship is, like, really good, that, like, it's just reminding you, because you, like, aren't kind of, like, working through or haven't worked through your past relationship, how good it is, is, like, highlighting how bad your previous relationship was, and then I feel like... It's causing, like, it was causing it to come up more. And I just also, like, just didn't... It just made me, like, uncomfortable how much she was bringing up her ex because... And I didn't really realize it at the time, but it's just, like, you know... Because you want to be, like, caring. Yeah, and I was, like, oh, no, like, that sucks. Sorry you went through that, like, whatever. But it's just, like, I can't... <clears throat> I can't help you through your ex. Like, that's mm-hmm. got to be an internal thing. So, like, that was a red flag... Another one was her never making any time to, like, come see me at my place. Mm -hmm. Everything was very much on her schedule. And, like, to be fair, you know, like, she's a front house manager at a restaurant and, like, quite busy with that. And I was on, like, my off-season of landscaping, so I had a lot of free time. So I did, you know, work my schedule around her all the time. But, like, you know, trying to get her to do things that were kind of like outside of what her like life and routine was was a struggle and I didn't realize that like that's someone who's not really ready to like kind of like break out of their own life or have a life that involves someone else and that's not wrong it's just I didn't realize that like that's something that was an indicator like she actually wasn't ready to like integrate someone else's life with hers Mm -hmm. you know um so I think as far as red flags go, those are the only two that I could really kind of think of off, off rip. Well, let's talk about those two through a psychological lens. Um, we'll start with the bringing up the, the ex. That is something that I can definitely relate to. Um, through personal experience, 
You know, um, I've noticed that when it comes to trauma, when it comes to having that trauma be conditioned or embedded at such a young age, you learn that that is what you equivalent to safety. You learn that what that's mm. equivalent to your homeostasis. In other words, balance. That is your home. You didn't know that comfort home... Comfort and chaos. Yeah. So you like, know, yeah. And, and you just don't know that there's anything else. And so there, it's, there's this very typical kind of idea that you know, we're going to seek out chaos when we are born with chaos because that's what makes us feel more at home. And so one thing I've noticed with myself is I am so notorious for bringing up my exes when I was in relationships. And mm. I did it up to my last one with Grapefruit. And I didn't realize at the time that I was doing it. In my mind, I thought I was being open. Mm. In my mind, I thought I was being transparent. Yeah. In my mind, I thought that I was so tapped into my experience that it was so necessary for this person to know. But little did I know that every single time I brought that up, I was giving it more power. Yeah. And I wasn't allowing myself to be present in the experience. And I'm not saying that that's what broke us up because there was actually so much more to that um, relationship that it was never going to work out. Right. But in regards to bringing up my exes, I think that that is a result of something so much deeper and it's the fact that you get addicted to the chaos mm -hmm. and you constantly want to find this answer for something that the answer is an experience happened to you. Chaos is something that you might have normalized, but that at the same time, it's like carrying a backpack of baggage. Yeah. Like if you're going to carry this backpack to Italy, you're going to have it. And you're going to mm. carry it to Greece. And you're going to carry you're it. You're stuck with it. And it's like, when are you going to let that go and just embody a new version of you that doesn't have it's that fabulous. trauma? Yeah. And it's not about ignoring it. It's not about throwing away. It's about acknowledging it and knowing that it doesn't need to... Like, I think there's a level of history that we can bring into our new partners like, and let them know. But there's... I've noticed that... I have a tendency of of bringing that history a little bit more than I need to. Yeah. And it gives that power to... Then it re-triggers me. And that's the problem. And I think with this particular banana is that she was so consumed and that she wasn't able to... like In her experience, as opposed to being like, this is what Drake's doing. It was like, this is what my... like She was living in the past. And it's such a Everything was kind of viewed through the lens of what I've been through, not what's happening. Yeah. That's why therapy has helped me. Oh, and, my God. And then therapy aside, like I think therapy is super important. More education. But, but also educating yourself and wanting to better yourself and understanding... The willingness. But, like, but also understanding it's like you have a part in things too. And while, while, while you know, things sometimes happen to us, it's also like... We have a, a responsibility to ourselves to not let ourselves continue the pattern of being put in situations where the same things keep happening to us. Anyway, but like, you know, just when you're repeat, repeating the same mistakes again, it's like, well, you're not actually like practicing getting better. You just find yourself in the same situation. Mm -hmm. So it's like, but you have to analyze, work through it, go to fucking therapy, talk to it. I mean... Therapy, you know, not everyone has to do therapy, but it helps. And if you can, I recommend it. I love it. Well, Drake, I think uh, if I were to try and think of a better way to, you know, have a conversation about why we suck at dating and, 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 and go deeper into, you know, the semantics of it, I think we just nailed it. I think I know that's why I suck at dating, but I will say that's this is why... I feel like I'm getting better at dating. Yeah, you are. And to that, let's to that. cheers. And then I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm fucking leaving. Where are you going? We I'm, live together. I am running away. Are you leaving? I'm going to find my next internet girlfriend. <laughs> to that, cheers. Cheers. Good night.